Toto. I have a feeling we're not in Kansas anymore. You're listening to Out of Oz, a podcast from Building 28 Church. Welcome back to another episode of Out of Oz. I'm your host, Peter Tragos, and with me as always is the pastor of Building 28 Church, Aaron Curran. What's up, Peter? It's a, good, it's a good day, man. It's a good day. Back here on the show for a second time. Thanks is, for having me back. Yes. Ta- oh, a little more bold, a little more assertive. Than <laughs> Already. We, uh, so we got Tabby Griffith and uh, mother of three. I never know what else to say there. No um, hard questions. Been at Building 28 for five years. Look at, oh, she was prepared today. I like to travel. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. We're not we're not used to people being prepared. So okay. yeah. Well, you guys you guys are planning on heading overseas, right? Even I mean, COVID? if we could. No, we're not going anywhere overseas anytime soon. We're going to California for Thanksgiving, oh, which that's that'll right, be California. interesting. That's, like that's basically overseas. Yeah. Another world. And then we also have Jimmy Trent, good hey friend, old friend. Uh, I think he's we go back four or five years anyway. So that's yeah. That's old in my world. Maybe more. Yeah, maybe more. Jimmy, I just found out, was on staff. We will not hold it against you. was on staff at Mars Hill Church yeah. years ago. Yeah. Um, it was uh, rainy there. It was very <laughs> Seattle. Seattle, yeah, very rainy. And, uh, and, and then I met Jimmy when he was a pastor over at um, a church in Tampa. Mm-hmm. And we, uh, we always connected when I would drive, make the long hike across yeah. the bay. And then, uh, and then about three years ago, you rolled into full-time counseling. Yeah. Uh, biblical counseling, Christian counseling, I mean, kind of. Yeah, it would probably be, I mean, it's, it, for, for most people, it doesn't matter, right? It's, they, are you a Christian counselor? Sure. But biblical counseling specifically, I did my, uh, did my studies through Westminster with the CCF program up in uh, Philadelphia. So yeah, biblical counseling, it's too much to talk about it in terms of distinction between Christian counseling and biblical counseling. Another episode, right? Yeah, let's no, do another episode. Another episode. Yeah. But anyway, he's been doing that for three years now. I would highly recommend your service. As a matter of fact, we reconnected at a wedding about a month ago, mm-hmm. um, a COVID postponed wedding. And um, when we left, my wife was like, we need, to, we need to go to that guy and just talk to him. And I was like, what what Aaron's so that, like what I don't need any counsel it was yeah. probably my so, wife that she liked so. <laughs> yeah. so anyway that got that got my head spinning and I was like you know it'd be really good for the episode because I've heard a lot I've heard a lot of argumentation around this and people positing this and I'm sure we all have but I thought having Jimmy on to talk through a, a few of the things that he addresses specifically by the way um the cool thing now it was it was around before COVID but even now with COVID has kind of accelerated it is the idea of virtual counseling. Mm-hmm. And so you were telling me a lot of what you do, almost the bulk of what you do now yeah. is online. And so this is the cool thing is anybody who's listening to this, anybody who's tuning in, if you're in need of whether it's marital counseling or um, addiction counseling or whatever it might be, Jimmy and Heart Song Counseling available to you guys. They do great work there. And so I'd encourage our listeners to check out you guys. Is it, yeah. what's the website there? HeartSongCounseling.org. Yeah, cool. Um, yeah, awesome. Jimmy. We'll put all that in the show yeah. notes. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. We'll get all that contact info in the show notes. So Sweet. having yeah. Jimmy on is a great resource for us um, because today we're going to be talking about a common question in today's society, especially with COVID. Um, I've got some family law lawyers that say divorce rates are higher than ever and business is a booming for them. So we're going to talk about the common question spouses ask at some point in their relationship, in their marriage, that I don't love my spouse anymore. Now what do I do? So Jimmy, if you can start us off kind of how you how you begin the conversation when someone comes to you and just says, 
something, you know, as simple as I just don't love them anymore. Yeah, I was, uh, I, you know, just in preparation was kind of talking with my wife the other day about this in the kitchen and my 14 year old daughter overheard. Right. And she's like, what are you guys talking about? And it's like, well, you know, we're just talking about like, what would you say to someone who uh, said they don't love their spouse anymore? And she looks at me with this like grimace, kind of cockeyed. And she goes, rude. (laughs) (laughs) I thought that was. Yeah. How do you think Jeff felt when uh, Aaron asked Tabby to be on this episode? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's true. (laughs) Jeff was pretty funny because I went to him and I was like, Aaron's asking me to be on another podcast. And the topic is I don't love my spouse anymore. And he's like, what? Why would you know anything about that? <laughs> like, I promise I still love you, but. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. we have to make that disclaimer that we still love yes. all our spouses. Yeah. But I think today, the, at least. the reality that exists. And we're going to define love, I think. Is yeah, the, the reality exists is that they're, uh, we're, we're fickle people and we live in a fallen world. And mm-hmm. so there's, there's, this definitely exists. So kind of going back to Jimmy, like, uh, I think the question, yeah. like, what, what do you, what do you say to people? Yeah. I mean, it, it really, I think for this context, there's so many people listening that we have no idea where the question's coming from. So it's difficult to answer it in terms of like what exactly you want to do, the tone you want to take, the the posture you want to take, the angle that you want to take. But I think really at the end of the day, we, we would start by saying like, okay, well, let's talk about it then, right? Let's talk about that because I, I think it's, I think it's probably a normal thing I think we should probably normalize it in some ways because there is a need for, as we're saying, de- defining love. What does that even mean? Um, the lowest level of love that we could even consider in terms of, of uh, I don't love my spouse anymore is some kind of emotional feeling that comes from reading a, a, a romance novel or watching a movie. Uh, the kind of love that we want to we want to engage in is something that's more representative of like a covenant love. And so if we're talking 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years of living with a center, that's going to ebb and flow in terms of the emotion that comes. So I think just from a beginning standpoint, we need to kind of say like, where, let's talk this out. Where are you at? And let's, I, I, if someone came to me and said that, we're in a good spot Yeah, I from, think, the, from the get-go. I think asking what they mean is a good jumping off And what point. if your spouse doesn't, says they're not a center? <laughs> no, no, like, like Donald Trump. Yeah, yeah. Um, never had to repent for anything in his life. Uh, but, but, but for real, I think that yeah. I think a good jumping off point would be exactly what Jimmy's saying. Just I would put it in a more direct, like, what do you mean by that? Like, mm. what do you mean by you don't love your spouse anymore? And we'll get to some of the definitions we've heard from people. But I think defining that is is most important. And I have, like I've already mentioned, a lot of family law lawyer friends that talk through this with people when they come and they want to get a divorce, right? A lot of the reasons are, why do you want to do this? And I don't love my spouse anymore usually is just the start. And then there's a litany of, of things and reasons, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't practice family law. A lot of people don't know lawyers practice in specialties and, and you have a general knowledge. But there are all sorts of things that can come into play when you want to get a divorce. And this is usually, if somebody were to ask this question, this is usually very early on in that process that's going to lead to divorce, right? Yeah. So that's why it's important that we have this conversation. Hopefully people think about it, reach out to counselors like Jimmy to kind of talk through this. So what do you think, Aaron, are some of the the reasons people would say if or, or the answers they would give if they were asked, what do you mean when you say you don't love your spouse anymore? Can I deflect? Because okay. this is why I asked that's that. That's what you're the, best at. So Yeah, yeah. You know what? 
Actually, I'm not. That's what some of your favorite theologians are best at. Um, uh, we're going to we're gonna <laughs> fight in words already. Uh, no, the reason I asked Tabby to come on the episode is I see you as a very connected person around. I mean, you, you, you were at a church in Largo, and then you helped with a church plant in Dunedin, and then now you've been here at Building 28 for five years. Um, Jeff, obviously, is a pastor here, pastor elder, and, and you just seem to have a ton of connections with people. You've been in Bible studies around the area. And so in our conversations, you've had these these discussions with other ladies. I mean, you have your own experience. We all have our own experience. And we were kind of like joking around about a little bit of, you know, just marriage in general. Marriage is difficult. Like, even if you're trying to please the Lord and trying to walk in faithfulness, like it's difficult. We are fallen and and you're living with another sinner and you yourself are a sinner. And so there's that experience we can speak from. But but what have you kind of heard to Peter's question? What have you heard from, you know, when, when, when a girlfriend comes to you and says, hey, I, I just don't love my husband anymore. What are you trying to, if you peeled back the layers, what would you see there that they're trying to get at? Well, like Jimmy was saying, I think it comes down to like their definition of love and they're basing it all just off of feelings. It's easy to have those feelings in the beginning of any relationship and feeling like you're in the honeymoon phase and they're giving me all kinds of attention and you're eating that up. And then once you get married or once you've been in a relationship for a long time, you realize, you know, there's more to it than just that. And so when that goes away, you think something something's missing here. And I actually have personal experience with this. I always say to Jeff that I'm so thankful that in a previous relationship that I had in college, I felt those same things where the spark went away. And I just assumed that that meant something was wrong with the relationship. I remember thinking like, well, I just feel like we're best friends. There's nothing more to it. And I broke it off. And I always feel thankful for that now because... I realize in any relationship, you're going to feel that way. Once it gets past a certain point, you're not going to have those feelings all the time of butterflies. Um, So I think whenever I talk to women that are going through that and not feeling what they originally felt and questioning, did did I marry the wrong person? I always say, it doesn't matter who you're with. Like You're always going to get to that point where you're going to lose the spark and that's going to come and go. I also have noticed that it seems to have been more common, I don't know if it was in the 70s or 80s, where husbands were leaving their wives in search of something more, um, cheating on their spouses. But now, I don't know if it's like the culture shift of you know us just being so, I mean, we've always been self-serving and self-centered, but it seems in relationships that Jeff and I have been close to, it's more the woman leaving the husband in search of something more. So I don't know. That's... More so, common now. so now I'll I'll end the deflection and I'll answer. But I just I I thought that when when even when you and I talked last week or was it earlier this week, whenever it was about you being on the show and we just talked a little bit about this and then we talked to home group two nights ago, I thought your perspective would be interesting on especially that it's a lot of at least in your circles a lot of the ladies kind of leaving the men. It it seems to have shifted to some extent. I don't know how Jimmy sees that, but um, I will say that. Like I, building off what Jimmy and Tabby said, what I see in pastoral ministry, as you guys know, I'm not the counseling pastor here, so I don't get to meet with a ton, but I get to meet with my friends. Like we have very close friends who come in, they sit down, they want to talk to me about this. And then even in my own marriage, like, you know, there's struggles and a lot of things I bring to the plate. And so I see it in Danielle. I, uh, I, when I say a lot of things I bring to the plate, a lot of ills I bring to the plate. You don't have to expound on those, Pete. Um, but I just see us living in a culture now, even in the church of instant gratification, everything is like at our fingertips. Every commercial is geared toward, you can have what you want right now. I mean, we're, we're on a later episode, we're going to talk about the ills of pornography. And that's, that's, that's a piece of that 
things are right at our fingertips. Um, whether it is something that's that's truly heinous like pornography or whether it is, you know, I, I can go online and I can just purchase, if I'm unhappy in my marriage, I can just purchase a bag right now or I can open up an app and find somebody else like to, like I, I can I can deal with this stuff and what scripture would call us to and even, even I think psychology that isn't necessarily biblical would call us to is this idea of, of so much in life is worked toward and isn't about, there's not this instant gratification. So much of discipleship is long-term as we look down the road, it's not a momentary. And our love has become very defined by how I feel in the moment, like constant happiness, instant gratification, instead of, you know, what that covenantal pursuit is going to look like five years now, 10 years now for my wife, for my kids, for my ministry, for my faith, like, and every aspect. And um, I think if we really stopped, whether it's Tabby's friends or people that Jimmy meets with or myself, if we really stopped and kind of pulled back and said, to, to individuals, and maybe Jimmy does this, if you're really honest with yourself and, and you set aside your momentary fleeting happiness for one second, what is love on the deepest level you can think of it? It would be in contradiction to how the culture defines love, how commercialism defines love, materialism defines love, the movies, the sure. romance novels, the magazines, everything else. And I think that's what we're up against right now. And we always have been, but with social media, especially, it's just more prolific now. It's it's we can look at other people and their love life seems to be so robust and so happy and so fulfilling. And there's this comparison that's there. And everything is about that moment, like that that instant in time rather than a true commitment to somebody to continue to pursue love. And so I don't think that gets to the definition of how we would define biblical love, covenantal love, but I, I certainly think it, it, we, we begin to summarize how the world sees love today. So I think it's important to, to focus in on what we're talking about today. And we've kind of mentioned husbands cheating on their wives and some, some other things that can disrupt marriages, which are all great for a mar marital counseling session. But today, so we're focusing on, which both of you guys have, is when you just purely fall out of love with your partner, or that's what you feel. You fall out of love with your spouse, right? And so I think we've hit the spark is gone. The honeymoon phase is gone. You need that. You don't feel like you're getting that instant gratification that you used to get from loving your spouse. I'll add in, you know, the only times I, I know reflecting and talking to my wife about this the only time I ever feel something like this is when she's not doing and acting exactly how I want her to. Right. Right. Which then is, it's yeah. like, well, you know, maybe, maybe it's not love, you know, cause she's not doing exactly how I want her. She's mm -hmm. not always happy. That's the thing. I just yeah. like always, she has the best personality in the world, my wife. And it's my favorite thing to be around her. She's my favorite person, my best friend. But when she gets in a bad mood and she gets mad about something or whatever, frustrated, I'm just like banging my head against the wall. Yeah, it's and then hard it's like, at that moment oh, this isn't the person I fell in love with. You know, that's yeah. what people like to say. So I'll, I'll throw that in the mix too. It's like, it's purely just, she's not acting how I want her to act, whether it's expectations sure. or whether it's how she used to act or whatever. So that's another one I think to throw in the bucket of people thinking they've fallen out of love with their spouse. Um, are there any more problems you see like definitions of why people are, are falling out of their spouse? And then let's get to some answers and resources and things they can build on to realize why that's wrong. I think that's the, I think, I think what you're hitting on is important because it's, I, I think if we're just measuring this conversation on how do you feel, do you feel exactly. love or yeah. not feel love? The question becomes, why do you feel that way? What are we not talking about? Right. What's going on in the relationship that's, that may be leading to an emotional disconnect. Right. So whether, I mean, not that we need to aim at love, but I mean, just there was, I was, I, I looked at this good men project. They asked this question, what, what are some common reasons for falling out of love? And the men were responded with 
boredom, lack of communication, dishonesty, misunderstanding, and then lastly, miserable sex life. Yeah. Like there's just, I mean, and then the list could go on mm-hmm. in terms of what isn't happening or what is happening in the relationship that is producing a product of the emotion that you feel. Yeah. So we have to peel the layer back. This isn't about whether or not, oh, I don't love him anymore. I don't love her anymore. Okay, well, let's talk about the relationship. Like what's going on? And then there's all kinds of other things that are pressures that may not even be directly connected to the marital relational piece of finances and all kinds of other stressors that come. So a lot of times like we're looking for an escape. We're looking for something easier. We don't have a view of relationships as service to others, more serving myself. So when your wife isn't being nice, it's work in that moment. I think that's, that's the funny thing about it is people are smart generally. And they say stuff like, I've fallen out of love with my spouse because they don't want to say my spouse spends too much money or my spouse Mm -hmm. is too cheap or my spouse doesn't let me do this or I want to golf more or I want to hang out with my friends more. My spouse doesn't help around the house. That's really what they mean. And they couch it in, I've fallen out of love. So somebody like Jimmy can't look at him and be like, come on, bro. Like your, your wife won't let you golf as much as you want to. Like, that's why you're falling. So they, they, they couch it so he can't make fun of them and they can just say, oh, I've fallen out of love with my spouse. You have to take it seriously. Mm -hmm. You know, you can't argue with that. Yeah. So, and that's, I think the problem with this title and these, this question that people ask, have I fallen out of love with my spouse? Like it's always something else. It's always something that you can actually point to or a stack, you know, the straw that broke the camel's back, like a fight, Mm -hmm. multiple fights that you've had over the same issue. So I mean, I I think that's really what we need to get to is the fact that the definition of love is not the spark that Tabby spoke about. You know, it's just not that. And I think from our perspective, I think it's very important for any listeners or viewers to know. And I know we might all take this for granted, but to know that they're not alone in this, because in Christianity, we play such a such a robust game of pretending Mm -hmm. that our marriage is great. We do it on social media, we do it on social media, you know, and then. And so what can happen is somebody who is feeling these pains of neglect, an absentee husband or mm-hmm. wife, emotionally, sexually, whatever, feeling like, I just don't, I'm, that that commitment toward me isn't there from my spouse any longer. Maybe that's somebody tuning in today. Like to know they're not alone. Like this goes on. This is a marital issue that is really an epidemic in America, in, in Christianity. Everybody's it's, felt. Yeah, right? everyone's I think, been I there. Think I mean, you're lying I, almost you everybody. You'll have, you'll have a few people sure. out there who are like, okay. I've never had any issues. And we don't, none of us believe them. Exactly. But, uh, <laughs> sure. I just call them liars, which I, I probably shouldn't. But, but really, you've, you've felt a time where you're so angry at your spouse yeah. where you're just like, I don't love you anymore or whatever. I wish I didn't marry you, whatever it may be. And I think exactly what you're saying, like when somebody's sitting by themselves on their bed, scrolling through their social media and they feel that way already, it's just like stacking on stacking on stacking. They're more miserable, more miserable, more miserable. And it just builds up. And like you're saying, they feel like all of their friends have perfect marriages where their husbands are writing long posts about how amazing their wives are and happy birthday or anniversary or whatever it is with 20 pictures. And they're like, my husband doesn't do that. Or he's golfing right now with his friend. And it's so easy to fall into that. But it's always, in my perspective, at least for myself, it's always me, me, me. Why I feel like I might we've, not love. We've it's just like, glamorized love. Like we just, we have. It's like fake, we, though. In, That's in our, not in our love, culture. And, Like the long Facebook post is not love. Yeah, like that's, what, one of the things I would get at that I, I think is a microcosm of this whole, mm-hmm. like it shows us the entirety of the picture is if we're wanting, like if, if Jeff and Tabby are wanting to just have a fun, laid back, light evening watching a movie, are they going to choose a, mar- a movie about a married couple, or are they going to choose a movie about a couple leading up to marriage? And the the movie about the per- couple leading up to marriage is typically called a romantic comedy. And the movie about a marriage is typically called a drama. 
Um, those are the genres, that seems right? Pretty accurate, yeah. yeah, right. And and it's because our culture is infatuated with the light, the airy, the romantic, yeah. the feelings, the sensations. Sure. And then you get into marriage, and all of a sudden it's uh, you know, Revolution Road or whatever that movie is, where it's just like hard and gritty, and and people begin to see this is love, the leading up to marriage, and marriage itself is not anymore. And so that needs to be flipped on its head almost that that there's nothing wrong with the light and sensational and romantic and and that's that's great and it's called for even there's no demonizing that but what marriage is yes there's drama in marriage there can also be a lot of humor and a lot of fun and that should exist and and intimacy but love like like true covenantal committed love and so I've, i i and it, for me i always look at it that way and i go i think that that people look at the way our culture and media has portrayed love and go if my marriage isn't that romantic comedy something's wrong i don't love my spouse anymore if i'm not adam sandler to reese witherspoon or whoever that i don't love my spouse anymore like that and we compare ourselves with that we compare ourselves with social media we compare ourselves with redeeming love by francine rivers or whatever it is and we're just like who wants that yeah we're, so, <laughs> we so i think there needs to be a real talk cool. around you know what is love what are we called to right because you're talking about peter it's, it's how Whitney doesn't make me feel like, right. and I'm like, oh, I don't love her anymore. And it's lost in this is what I'm called to be for right. my spouse. Oftentimes. And that's where I think that's where we should jump off now is kind of we've gotten to what the issue is. You're not alone. Everybody listening. We've all felt some angle of this. So, Jimmy, talk about from my perspective, and I'm not a counselor, so feel free to use whatever language or bullet points you want to. But it, it seems important to talk about what the covenant of marriage actually is what you're doing when you marry somebody, the definition of love, and then the perseverance through it all. You know, that's, I think, what sure. people miss when they fall out of love. Yeah, there's there's a, um, I think this has probably been the most helpful category to think about this in as marriage, as metaphor. Mm-hmm. And then tie that to what does it truly mean to be human, right? And so when Jesus says, the son of man came to serve, not be served, he's speaking as the human, right? He's speaking as the human Jesus, right? Like the son of man came to serve and he shows us what it truly means to be a human. And so much of this conversation is couched, I think, in the context of selfishness. I mean, at the end of the day, it's just like, what, what, what is this doing for me? What have you done for me lately? And whenever we were created by God as a human, he created us to be men and women who serve, not be served by others. And so then if we kind of zoom that back out and think of marriage as metaphor, uh, and whenever we, we get to enjoy marriage as a living metaphor of the covenant that God has brought to us. And so we are unfaithful, fickle, change our minds all the time, and God stays faithful. He continues to pursue. We, I mean, we commit adultery in our worship every day against this God who perfectly loves us. And so I want to help people begin to believe that there's more joy in life in serving and faithfulness and staying committed and working hard to care for their spouse as opposed to being cared for by their spouse. So I have a lot of empathy for this because it's not just the conversations in the counseling room aren't just I'm getting beat by this marriage. Like they're they're mean they treat me terrible. I mean, people genuinely just are like, I just don't know if I love right. him anymore. I mean, it's that's a tough spot, right? And I think that, I mean, you know, 
it's easy whenever there's a big blow up. Oh, he committed, he, he committed adultery. Like, okay, well, we got to really work on it. I do a lot of work in that. But I also have places where it's just like, I just don't know if I like the guy anymore. Do you get questions a lot with people saying, I think I married the wrong person? My wife and I did these, I uh, focus on the family. No, it wasn't focus on the family. I don't remember the little things that a weekend to remember was what we went to. I remember the guy saying, hey, you can come to me and say, look, the, I think I married the wrong person. Okay, cool. If it was the wrong person on this side of I do, it became the right person on this <laughs> side of I do. You right. know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, but it's, again, it's, it isn't about whether it's the right or wrong person. You have entered into something that is absolutely divine. The yeah. covenant is God's. It's not, your, it's not even yours, right? It's my covenant with my wife isn't my covenant. It's God's covenant. And I get to live in that. I've got to find a greater sense of purpose and, and like joy in my life. The greatest joy in my life is to live out that covenant. And it's most profoundly felt when I have to stay like and Why stay faithful. That? Why is it most profoundly felt when you have to stay? Because it goes against everything we initially are talking about here, right? Which is, Denying this isn't self. what I want. Right. But because... God is greater because of living in that purpose is greater. And some, and a lot of times by faith, I'm going to believe that. I'm going to stay by faith and learn to love when I don't feel it, uh, when I might prefer something different. That is great character. I mean, there's just a depth of like just working out what God is doing yeah. in you. It's easy. Yeah. It's easy to do things when they're easy. Yeah. What do you think, Aaron, about people's definition of love and how that comes into this conversation. I think, I mean, I, I, when I meet with married, with, uh, with married couples and I'm sure Jimmy would agree, people need to do a lot more premarital counseling to avoid marital counseling. I mean, marriage counseling is good. Like, even if you're, even if your marriage is strong, like, mm -hmm. I mean, it's just good to maintain it. But I think there is this, like we've already talked about, there's this fantastical view of love that exists. Um, I remember years ago watching a movie. I don't know if any of y'all have seen it. I thought it was a great movie. It was called The Life of David Yale. I didn't agree, I did not agree with um, Never saw it. It was it was a movie very strongly against uh the death penalty. And so I I Who was in it? Uh Kevin Spacey. I've seen it. Yes. Okay. He, he who should not be named now. Yes. Um, yes. But anyway, anyway, the, the there was a I mean, I don't was, watch movies he's in. Yeah. He was uh he was teaching a philosophy class and he really he really spoke to uh, a philosophical issue that exists and that is that um fantasy is always more alluring than reality. But as soon as you grab hold of that fantasy, I'm not just saying this just Kevin Spacey was a would-be philosophy teacher. Like this is a, a prevalent thought in philosophy. As soon as you grab hold of, of fantasy, it becomes reality and it's, therefore it loses its allure a lot of times. It loses that. And I think what happens is, and I, he might have made the argument in the movie, but the argument can be made and it has been made from philosophers that uh, if we spend our entire life chasing after a, a fantasy aspect of um, – and then all of a sudden we land it. We, we land in marriage. We land in our, our dream career. We land with more money than we could have imagined, whatever our fantasy might be. We realize that it doesn't promise. It doesn't fulfill. Now, non-Christian philosophers don't have an answer for that as to why it doesn't fulfill. All they can say is it doesn't fulfill, typically. As Christians, we have an answer. Like as a church, we've been going through Ecclesiastes. And so it's, you know, it's very clear that if I'm just pursuing this one fantasy after another, after another, this dream vacation or this dream home or this dream relationship, this dream marriage, and all of a sudden I get in it and I'm like, holy cow, like 
this is broken. Like this home five years later isn't as beautiful as I thought it was. This this car I've driven around the block three times and now it's not new anymore. Uh, this marriage relationship that I thought was going to promise me all of all that I thought I needed and wanted and will fulfill me in life isn't doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's as Lewis said, it 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 caused for the reality that we were made for something more, like something deeper, eternity in view. And so mar- marriage can only, I mean, I would argue that marriage can only, there can be strong and healthy non-Christian marriages, right? Especially as a Christian, but I would even argue outside of Christianity, as you look into it, finding the ultimate purpose and an understanding of covenantal love in marriage comes from, as Jimmy talked about, God's unrelenting, uncompromised love for us. That's why the husband is compared to Christ, or at least we have the example of Christ for us in Ephesians 5, because there's there's no there's there's no point where Jesus is like, hey, you know what? Um she just doesn't she just doesn't meet my needs anymore. Like the, the bride just doesn't meet my needs anymore. Like so you know, I might be moving on. Like if that was the case, Jesus would be fickle every day because we we don't respond. As Jimmy said, we are the adulterous wife every day. Like we are Gomer in the book of Hosea. Like we do run after our idols. We do run after our our lovers. And yet Christ continues to pursue us uh, and continues to love us. And and that, that metaphor doesn't just exist for the husband. It's for the wife as well, even though the wife is called to something different in Ephesians 5 than the husband. There's still this, this unconditional love that's supposed to exist between husband and wife that is based upon not only a concept of Christ's love for his church, but the Trinitarian unity, like, like the father and the son, like this great mystery. When, when it says in Genesis, I think it's Genesis one twenty seven that the, the, the man leaves his father and mother and cleaves his wife and they become one flesh. That's a Trinitarian language that's being used there of though they are two, they're becoming one, just like though God is three persons, he is one. And there's an intimacy and a, and a, and a harmony and a unity there where when you look at the Godhead, you know, and, and this makes sense to us, when you look at the Godhead, it isn't the Father going, hey, what can the Son do for me today? Right. What can the Spirit do for me today? It's it's a perfect submission to and love for and and harmony of serving one another in the in the Godhead. And I think something needs to be talked about in marriage, because people lose sight of this with a very me-centered, self-centric mentality is marriage is a Christian partnership. Mm-hmm. And so we talk about that often at Building 28, but it's not just loving one another, which that's part of it, but it's also accomplishing the purposes that God has designed for us in this world, like raising children that will don't know and love Jesus, um, being missionaries in our culture and in our neighborhoods. We know psychologically that partnership forms, like you and I have become good buddies. People watching might not realize that, but we've become good buddies. Uh, no, because, but not just because like we get along, but because we have a commonality of purpose that mm-hmm. we're pursuing in this world to see the kingdom of God roll forward in specific and tangible ways. And so because of that, that's how marriage is supposed to be a husband and wife who, yes, they're committed to one another. There's a covenantal love for one another. There is a service of one another. It's not, hey, what? how can she serve me today? But it is a, a willful, I just don't think it exists, but there's a willful selflessness of I'm not feeling loved right now, but I'm still going to rise up. It's it's far easier said than done. I'm still going to rise up and I'm going to showcase love to my wife and I'm going to love her. C.S. Lewis has this great quote in Mere Christianity that um, – here, I'll make sure I get it right. But um, when we talk about loving, we talk about covenantal love, whether it's for a spouse or a friend, but specifically for a spouse, he says, um, do not waste time bothering whether you love your neighbor, or I would say love your wife or your husband. He said, act as if you did. As soon as we do this, we find one of the great secrets. When you are behaving as if you love someone, you will presently come to love him or her. And I think that's like the best practical 
application you can give anybody feeling this way that they're falling out of love with their spouse. And I think that an important thing you said is make sure, so the two become one when you get married, make sure you're, you're doing your part to make that one better. Because everybody cares about bettering themselves, yeah. you know, their studies, their work, their success, whatever it may be. But make sure you're doing what you need to do to make the one better. And I think that would help people a lot. And one of the major issues I think people have is, and we did a study here at Building 28 a few years back with Paul Tripp, a marriage series, and his big thing was expectations. Like people go into marriage with these expectations, they immediately get crushed because we're both sinners and it's two sinners joining together for double the sin. And then that can be love ruining when your expectations go awry, you know? So, I mean, how, how do you deal with as someone who feels like they're falling out of love because of broken expectations? Well, I think people also get upset when they think that the other person's changed, but marriage is such a huge thing. Like, of course you're going to change that experience is going to change you regardless. Mm -hmm. Can I, can I take us, I want to, before we, we land on and end on what advice does a marriage need, mm -hmm. I actually think it's very important, and this is one of the reasons, I always go back to this, this is one of the reasons we call it out of Oz, is we want to confront that which is a contaminant in our culture, especially the Christian culture. So I'll start with Tabby, but I want to hear from Jimmy as well, and even Peter, if, you, if you've heard this, what do you hear from friends counseling other friends that you're like, oh, that's bad advice? Like Christ, stuff Christians say. When somebody goes, oh, I just don't love my spouse anymore, and some well-meaning, perhaps, lady or man rises up and is like, let me give you a piece of advice. And then you're like, oh, geez, that's like not biblical. That's a mess. That's a disaster. Like, mm -hmm. can you think Can you think of things, maybe one or two things that you've heard and you're yeah, like, no, Yeah, there's no, no, no. actually a bunch that come to mind. Um, it's actually really important who you would go to for advice because if you're going to someone who's actually been through this, you know, I've heard people give advice, well, my, my divorce was the best thing I ever did, which that's horrible advice. You know, also in culture, just saying like, well, you deserve to be happy, mm -hmm. which, you know, there are going to be times that you don't feel happy. I think those, those are good. Those, those yeah. are good. Those yeah. are good. I was going to say, I've heard so many times, even in the church, just do what makes you happy. Yeah. Yep. Like, just do what makes you happy. Like, it's or not celebrating your divorce. Following your heart. Or I, you know, I'm thinking of a certain situation where someone met someone and just going off of everything happens for a reason. Like, I don't know mm. why this person came into my life, but you know, and then them getting that advice from another person saying, well, everything happens for a reason. It's like, mm -hmm. well, you, you made a wrong choice and you're following yeah. into sin. So that's why it happened. Jimmy, you've got to hear this a lot, right? I mean, and, and yeah, it's, I mean, it, yeah, for sure. And I think it's, I think there is that, uh, that that's a pretty popular one that you mentioned there is like, you know, if you're, un, if you're not happy, then attached to that are, are marriages with children. And I've heard, I've heard in the counseling room, like, this isn't good for our kids that they would see a marriage that doesn't have love, right? Yeah. And it's like, yeah. they, they, almost, they almost kind of like make it a noble endeavor to, mm -hmm. to split yeah. up because they yeah. want the children to not see this loveless relationship. And um, I mean, it just, pe people look for easy excuses. Well, and I, another one I just thought of is when people say, you know, love shouldn't be this hard. It should be easy. Mm. It should be natural, which is totally That's untrue. True. And yep. with what you're saying about having children, one thing that really, really bothers me is when people are talking about splitting up to have children, the most common thing I hear is people saying, well, children are res resilient. Like they'll be mm. okay. And that drives me nuts because no, they're not. Like they're not resilient. They're, they're going to have issues. They're going to be upset. So I have one to add from right. the guy's side, right. which is exactly the opposite of what Tabby's saying. That guys will say, I've heard guys say to their guys, well, that's marriage, man. Get used to it. 
you know, like you're falling out of love with your wife. Well, mm. that's what happens, man. So get used to it. And it's like, that's not what we're saying either. Right. Like, we're not just saying like, have a loveless marriage. That's what God wants. Gr- grind Keep it out. persevering. Like yeah. You can do it. You know, yeah. we all have to do it. Look, we all complain about our spouses, but that's yep. not what we're saying at all either. Yeah. Like there will be tough times, just like in anything, any job, parenting, like how miserable can that be sometimes? But it's not just like, all right, you go open the door and wherever they run, that's fine. I don't that's have to deal with point. them anymore. I mean, it's a good point. There's so many times, love you guys, all five of my children. Yeah. But there's just so many times, Kelly and I are just like, there's so many days where you're just like, I don't, I, I like, it would be easier if you weren't here. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. I mean, it just, but, like we, every but, we, day. but we would still never. stand in front of, <laughs> we would still stand in front of a bus for them. Yeah, yeah exactly. So like right in after front they of a bus. back talk. Yeah. Me. No, it's, exactly. it's a very, that's a, that's a very, I mean, I think, I think honing in on that for a second, I mean, all of our relationships at moments in our life, all of our most important, most endearing relationships, there are moments where I'm like, where everybody is kind of like, I think almost everybody is like, oh my gosh, like I just don't love you right now mm-hmm. in the way that world. And that's what I was going to get at is one of the things I've yeah, heard. Yeah, I, I felt that hurts? about, we were just talking about us, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I, don't love, I don't love I you. Love Aaron, time, just yeah, I love Aaron, but I don't love you. like you right now. Exactly. Um, and that's what I've heard from when, for me, when I talked about like, I don't know if this is good or bad advice, but I'll, I'll meet with couples. And because maybe because I'm a pastor, their pastor, a lot of times, uh, maybe because they know that they need to be theologically and biblically robust. They'll, they'll say things like, well, I've just chosen to love my spouse, even though I'm not in love anymore. And what they're doing is they're juxtaposing this, this cultural very fickle idea of love against a biblical covenantal love or whatever their understanding of that is. And it sounds very noble, but it's not, it's, I think a, a, a healthier understanding is that in a, I think for the most part, and Jimmy can correct me on this if I'm wrong, in a healthy relationship, the, as we talked about at the very jump, the feelings, uh, the emotions are in ebb and flow. So it's not just like you have to choose one or the other. We choose covenantal love knowing that our feelings are going to subside for our children, for our wife, for our husband. Like they're going to subside. They're going to grow. Like we're going to get away on vacation. We're going to unplug from things. And there's going to be more intimacy found, which is why one of the reasons why I encourage couples to like go away, go away for a few days, like go away and get, get alone and, and have fun together and remember why you got married in the first place. Um, but then you're going to come back and there's going to be times where you're busy and times where you're stressed out. And there should never be a point where that, that's that's awesome. There's so many there's so many side trails with this. There's, that's why rhythms are so important in life and in ministry and marriage. But knowing that it doesn't, it's not one or the other. It's not oh well, I'll just choose to love my spouse even though I don't feel nothing for my right. spouse anymore. Like that's not biblical. And I think really what I want to get at with asking you guys what have you heard is okay. We we start to identify this is bad, but maybe our listeners are checking in today and they're like, well, why is it wrong to pursue happiness? Like Tabby's like, right. Oh, I just do what makes you happy, and it's wrong because. That should not be our primary aim. If you look at us even unbiblically, which is hard for us to do as, as Christians, but if you look even unbiblically, it's very clear from history that people who their primary pursuit in life was their own personal happiness, they lived a miserable existence. Like it was very fleeting. It was like a sparkler on July 4th. It was out before you knew it. And they had to continue to pursue something else to fill that up. And ultimately they were met with depression and despair. Like that's not... That's not how, to go back to Jimmy's earlier point, that's not how God wired us and designed us to be. We we receive, actually, and I thought what Jimmy said was really, really good on, it's not just that we love our spouse in a covenantal, self-sacrificing way because that's the right thing, like we do, but it's also because God has designed it that that is the way that we will end up achieving the most joy, not this just fleeting happiness of of I'm, I'm happy for 13 seconds no, now. A depth and, and, of existence. Yes, a, a depth there that is, 
you know, I mean, you can just think about anything in life. When you go and you serve the impoverished, you serve need, you go on a mission trip, you come back with this sense of joy and satisfaction that is God given to us to be filled up. That's not just this little, I mean, you just slept on a blow up mattress and, and ate crappy food for a week. And yet you are happier, quote unquote, mm-hmm. than, than you would be if you had, if you had stayed home potentially and, and been self-indulgent and right, self-serving watch for TV week. all weekend, do yeah. nothing, whatever. And so that's, I think that needs to be like, there's like the, the advice, find yourself. Like that's completely contrary to Christianity. Jesus says, lose, whoever loses his life, right. like, uh, you know, uh, for my sake, we'll find it. And so this idea of discover yourself, forgive yourself, you know, all this kind of stuff. I don't know. I, I think that we need to peel back and, and answer the question is, is this really biblical? Even though it's, it's very popular, are these really biblical concepts that we kind of feed ourselves, especially in light of, I don't love my spouse anymore. I need to be happy. I don't love my spouse anymore. Uh, you know, I, I just need to find my own identity, I, you know, or I don't love my spouse anymore. And I don't know why God, like, I love how like Christians try to blame God for like their sin. I don't know why God like brought this other man into my life, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, but sure. as if God brought another man into your life, like right. Jimmy said, you're married to the one now, even if they it's weren't the, right the, one. the one before, you're married before. to the right you're one now. So, I mean, could we see this and maybe this is good transition to what you're saying as far as final applications or whatever, but could we see the moment where you realize or verbalize or talk to someone, I don't love my spouse anymore, less as a problem and more as an opportunity? Yeah, Yeah, that's good. And what do you mean by that? Opportunity for what? Because there's so much, there's just in that moment, there's so much. Can we sit down then and talk? could Could we resolve in the beginning of this conversation that although you don't love your spouse, you're staying? And you're going to fight for it. Like the like what you were saying earlier about, well, you know, I'm going to love. Yeah. I'm going to choose to love. Yeah. That's resignation. That's mm-hmm. not love. And I think yeah. that's, that's a resigning. great first step for your spouse to see, like you're saying. Like for your spouse to see, like, I don't feel like I love you right now, but I'm staying. I'm going to work on it. Let's I'm going to do what I need to do. Let's talk right. that out. Like I think that's my, a great if, first step. If Kelly comes to me and says, I'm kind of losing it for you. It's like, well, let's work. Yeah. yeah. Like, let's do work then. And so, so I think as we kind of wind it down, what does that work look like to you practically? What, what are some things like practically speaking, somebody's listening. They're like, okay, I'm not alone. Yeah. I've heard all this bad advice before. Okay. I'm going to stay. So what, what's a good first step? I, this isn't like self promo. I don't care if anyone calls sure, me or doesn't call me, right. but you need to, it's got to do count. We've got to do counsel, right? That doesn't necessarily have to be professionally, but counseling's happening all the time, right? We, you guys are you guys are using the word advice. That's counsel, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Yeah. It's the same thing. So it's not whether or not people are counseling in our churches; it's whether or not the counsel is good or bad. That's the yeah. that's the issue. There's got to be counseling. We've got to sit down and start talking about or understanding or working towards understanding the why, the what, the what of it. What does that mean that you don't love? As we started yeah. the whole conversation with today, why is it that these things are not there? And I, I honestly believe that almost 100% of the time, if we sit down long enough to in a committed conversation and we start doing story, I think that's a big piece is like, well, let's just talk about it. Let's like, tell me your story. Give me yeah. the highs and lows from the beginning until now and get both spouses giving those stories. We begin to identify most of the time, I think conflicts that are unresolved. Right. And I really believe that. I think that, I mean, if I don't, if I don't like you anymore, Aaron, pro- it's probably because something happened. Yeah. Everyone that's married chose to get married. Yeah. <laughs> like there was some, that was a big decision, money, time, commit, like there was something, but then what happened along the way that 
you just haven't dealt with. And so I'm, I'm always looking to do story with, with couples yeah. to say, let's talk about your story. And then with a, with a, with a, you know, wise and discerning ear, it doesn't take much. You're going to see the things. I mean, I was just talking to a couple the other day. It's like, they're having trouble. They're, they're in their sixties and they're not sure if they want to stay together. It's like, well, tell, tell me, and we're four or five weeks into conversations now. And it's Probably like a long story. Yeah. It's a long story. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a long story. But like even just one situation where they were trying to have a baby, they flew up to this like- In their 60s, I, huh? Well, this was a while back, yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, well, Abraham and- <laughs> Yeah, yeah, gotcha. You know. um, so like they flew up to go for this IVF whole deal or whatever. It wasn't that great of an experience together. He was kind of cranky about it. And then he, and then she goes through the procedure. He says, I've, I've taken too much time off of work. I need to get back. So he flies home. Right. I hope I don't hopefully they're not listening. If they're not, oh well, sorry guys. But he flies home, yeah. leaves her there. She has to get a cab to go back to the hotel because she's not allowed to drive or she has to rest. And he's back home working. And as she's telling this story to me, she's tearing up. This happened 20 years ago. Yeah. You don't think that has any effect on how you feel about the person sure. today? It does. And, and that's just one moment in 20 years of conversation. Yeah. So a lot of people don't know this. I think you might know this. Tabby might know this. I don't know, but a lot of people don't. Jeffrey certainly does. As we've walked life care for a long time. 11 years ago, Danielle and I were completely a disaster. It was before we planted Building 28, but I was a pastor over in Dunedin at the time. We were just a disaster. And it was at the point of, if I'm honest, of going, I don't think this is going to last. I don't think this is going to work. She's got way too many issues. Of course, that's how it always is, right? And, um, and we did go to counseling. To biblical counseling. Um, and I would actually encourage our listeners today, like if you're if you're sitting there and you're like, well, my, my marriage isn't on the rocks, isn't there? There's preventative counseling that's like mm -hmm. really important, whether it's pastoral counseling, professional counseling, whatever it might be. But we went to counseling and while there were steps we put in place, and I think those identifying those steps is important. Some of what Jimmy said, um, you know, reminding yourselves, I always like to go back to like seven churches in Revelation, which is weird for marriage, but there's typically two commands there and the seven churches over and over again, remember and repent. And so it's kind of like what Jimmy said, hey, like, remember the covenant you've made, remember what you've done, repent of that. And part of that repentance, maybe this is the pastor, maybe when someone comes in and they're really strong, Jeff and Tabby came in or Peter and Whitney came in and they're really strong, Jeff and Charday or whoever it is. Um, or even if I look at my own life, if I can be intuitive enough to do that, I always like to start with how is your walk with Walk with God right now. Yeah. Like, where is that? Because if marriage has become about, well, I don't love my spouse anymore, typically there's a very self-centered, non-vertical aspect of Christianity that's going on. And it's just kind of uh, cleaning up the house and it's going to be dirty again tomorrow. If there's no heart change or a recentering on, I was designed first and foremost to be married to Christ. And then my my union here, this marital union, flows out of that relationship with Christ. And so, like, I love, I've, I've oftentimes quoted Augustine um, when he said, love God and do what you do what you want. And that would be my advice for a lot of marriage, married couples is do what you want out of a love for God. Because when our love is like, when we're, you know, and once again, easier said than done. But when our heart is in tune with like, in step with, with Christ, like, I'm not going to be typically self-centered. I'm, I'm like, if I'm pursuing him first and foremost, out of my love and devotion to him, there's going to be a more robust devotion. And I fail at that often, but that's, I, I think that that needs to be 
before our minds of, you know, somebody's listening today and they're like, I don't love my spouse anymore. I, I clicked on this. I don't even know who these people are, but I clicked on this, just saw this title. And maybe you're not a Christian. And uh, I mean, a lot of that does start with a relationship with Christ and a devotion to Christ, but it is understanding, hey, what I was designed for in this world and that God is a God of, of pleasure. Like he wants his children to be holy and happy and fulfilled, but that that joy and that fulfillment come in a a devotion to him, a recognition of what we were created for. And so I try to always start with a vertical relationship first before I get to, a, you know, if me and Danielle are experiencing issues, I look and go, where, where am I right now with the Lord? Because if my, my relationship with him is, is fractious, is splintered, is distracted, you know, uh, it's very materialistic and my eyes have dropped, then that's going to affect my marriage. And oftentimes if I'm walking strong with the Lord, the principles that we're putting in place today are going to more so naturally or supernaturally by the power of the spirit flow out more. I mean, my marriage has been healthiest when my relationship with Christ is healthiest. My marriage has been most unhealthy when I'm busy and preoccupied and materialistic and driven by pursuit and eyes off of the prize of, of the hope, this high mm -hmm. calling in Christ. So I think that is a critical component we have to come back to everything we've talked about is so important, but that's a critical component we have to come back to. Do you have anything you want to Well, I think what you were saying about normalizing counseling, um, a lot of women that I've talked to are open to it, but their husbands consider that weak, you know, yeah. to agree that, you know, maybe or there's an issue. Yeah. yeah. And so I do think talking about these issues with our friends and peers and normalizing that we all feel this way. Counseling is healthy for a marriage and normal. Yep, and I, I think because of the seriousness of this topic and and all of the good jumping off points, I think this is probably a good one for you and Jimmy and Tabby. If you have any good resources, we can put them in the show notes as well for people to kind of dig a little deeper if they're having these issues. Awesome. We'll definitely put that in. Jimmy, thanks for being on yeah, with man. us, man. Thanks thanks awesome. For us. Awesome. Tabby, as always, thanks pleasure hanging out. Yeah. Thanks for listening to Out of Odds. If you enjoyed this episode, share it with your friends and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere you listen. Out of Odds is produced by Building 28 Church and Podcast Royale. You can find out more about the show and Building 28 by visiting outofozpodcast.com. New episodes drop every Monday and you can get each one automatically by subscribing in your favorite podcast app.